0: Happy Thursday, everyone. This is Pop Culture Mondays on Thursdays, and I'm your host, Brooke Hammerling. Pop Culture on Thursdays. Hi, guys. Welcome. We're in episode 54, which I don't... How many weeks are in a year? Obviously, I went to school. I can't remember. Numbers are not my thing, but this is episode 54, and it's just me today, because after last week with John Heilman, I needed a minute. Like, I feel that was one of the most interesting and fun conversations. Clearly, you guys liked it because everybody listened to that podcast. I heard from a lot of you. John had a good time, and uh, we have a couple really fun guests coming up, so we'll we'll wait to dig into them at the appropriate time. But for now, it's little old me. This is you're just getting into the beginnings of summer. It's a long weekend coming up, at least in the U.S. I don't know. Sometimes we share bank holidays with the U.K., but for those of you in other parts of the world, we in America have this thing called Memorial Day, which is like the kickoff of summer. It's when we can start wearing white shoes and white pants again and be considered civilized, not tacky. The one thing embedded in my brain with my mother is you cannot wear white after Labor Day, and you can only start wearing it again after Memorial Day. So here we are, we can start wearing our white jeans, our white cutoff jean shorts, our cute white, all white sneakers, and our white shoes. So that's great. Also, there's some people out there who start drinking clear liquids now. They're clear alcohol. They move from brown alcohol, the bourbons and whiskeys, and they move into gins and vodkas at the Memorial Day kickoff. So mazel off to your gin and vodka drinkers who have been in hibernation. It is time to put the bourbon and whiskey away and kick off with some refreshing G&Ts or vodka sodas with some jalapeno my favorite 21 seeds tequila this is your time guys and then for those of you who are not familiar with the american holidays summer is theoretically bookmarked between memorial day and labor day and labor day is that like the usually the first or second monday uh in september the first monday in september don't quote me, but something like that. I, I don't have children, so it baffles me to no end to understand how my friends in different parts of the country or even same cities, but public school versus private school, kids all are on different schedules. So I grew up where I don't really, I mean, I was out of school more than I was in school, my poor parents. But I, in terms of holidays, like we were out, Right after Memorial Day. Like we would be out of school the beginning of June, early June, and we would not go back to school until after Labor Day. Now, some kids get out of school before Memorial Day and go back to school before Labor Day, which really confuses me. It's really strange. I don't understand it because Memorial Day is the kickoff of summer. Labor Day is like summer's over. You remember the Labor Day ads, like back to school, Labor Day special, but some kids have been back in school for four weeks by that point. So it doesn't make any sense. But we're here to talk about other things than the summer schedule. Uh, In breaking news this week, again, we're in the time machine. So by the time you listen to this, you will all have already known But Tina Turner died. It was announced today. And, you know, it's so strange because when somebody that I know tweeted it and they didn't have a link to it. And I was like, have they been have they been hacked? Because a very prominent person in music was like R.I.P. Tina Turner. But no article. I'm like, have they been hacked? Like, what do you mean Tina Turner's dead? And I mean, she's 83. It's in a tremendous life. But. I think we have these legends, and even though we've lost so many legends early, whether it's Prince or Michael Jackson, or, I mean, you can go all the way down to, you know, Janis Joplin and Jimi uh, Hendrix and Jim Morrison and whatnot, but like those were sort of self-imposed, if you will, from drugs or whatnot. When people are out of the drug world, you just tend to think that the legends will be there forever like they, they exist, they're just not going anywhere. It's very jarring because it's a reminder of all of our own mortality. Like if Tina Turner, the queen, the legend, the person who has accomplished so many things in multiple generations over over decades and has suffered you know quite a, a hard life in many ways and created such an amazing life in other ways, that she can die. Uh, that she can end her time on this earth. It's a reminder. I mean, it's, it's, it's an inevitable outcome for all of us, even those trying to chase it in some weird cryogenic sort of way. So she is gone and certainly not forgotten. She is the true definition of a legend. I, I think we all have our Tina Turner sort of moments, like genre and I'm sure everybody has, you know, a moment of Tina Turner, whether it was, you know, the Ike Turner days or for me, it was definitely like we don't need another hero, The Thunderdome days like she was incredible back when we can actually say we liked Mel Gibson, the Mad Max stuff like this was in that moment where it was like. I think it was the eighties, but it was the, it is, you know, very dark. It was we were in the cold war kids. We grew up thinking we were going to die from global thermal nuclear war and this sort of post apocalyptical movie setting of Mad Max. And then this like, like she looked like a lion, this like wondrous warrior, and then singing the song that, you know, I don't know. It just felt it in your bones. It felt it in your blood. It made your hair stand up. That's a Tina Turner that I, I think of, but there's just so many, I mean, there's just so many and like all of us dressed up, as Tina Turner at one point in our lives with the wig and the cool dress. And all of us have wanted her legs from the moment we ever could visually see Tina Turner and absorb that her legs were the greatest legs of all time. So we've lost the legend. She lived an incredible life. She gave an incredible amount of herself, to service as an entertainer and so for that we salute you tina turner there are other things going on in the world if you did read the newsletter it's, what well, it's definitely one of the most talked about newsletters that i've had over the last you know however many years we've been doing this and it's really interesting because it's such a regional story like you just don't think that restaurants and granted, there is comparisons to the Spotted Pig, which is my favorite place in the world. I was personally involved with that restaurant. My friends were the owners, investors, people who worked there. I mean, I love the Spotted Pig, which was a local New York City restaurant that made national news prior to its scandals because of its of its unbelievable reputation it was famous for its food it was famous for its uh vibe for the parties it had for the celebrity sightings and then it inevitably became famous for some of the bad behavior uh some of it confirmed some of it alleged by an owner of the pig and some other other things going on there and it went out of business and it was tragic but like la restaurants don't really get that kind of celebrity, you know, you have them in New York, you have them in Paris, you have them in Europe, these like Michelin star restaurants, famous chefs, and obviously the advent of celebrity chef, which came from the beginning of the food network and all of that. There's definitely a spotlight more on the food world than ever before. And like last week's pod, before we knew this, this this drama, John Heilman and I talked about his favorite show and certainly one of my favorite shows right now, uh, The Bear, which is an incredible look inside the sort of hearts and minds of people putting together a restaurant and uh, how it works and the psychology and the passion and the toll it takes. And it's an incredible show. It's an incredible thing to put on a restaurant of any kind i don't care if it's a local mom and pop i mean you have to get there it's like an orchestra you have to have all of these things from the food being right to the quality of service to the ambiance to the being um, able to sort of deal with curveballs at any given minute so it is not easy but this restaurant in LA, and, and let me be clear, as an, as a slightly new person to LA, I've been here for a couple of years, but the first year didn't even count since COVID cl- closed everything. There are a few great restaurants. This is not New York or London or Paris where you have a plethora to choose from. There's some great sort of just fine places, but there are very few like, oh my God, I cannot wait to get there. from. And what I said in the newsletter, it's sort of a trifecta of things. It has to be great food, unbelievable food. Like, wow. Surprising. That was delicious. It has to be unbelievable vibe. To make it a great restaurant like the ambiance the the layout of the restaurant the lighting the feel of the chairs the distance between the chairs and the tables like if you can cross your legs properly just the whole thing the sound the being able to hear the music playing which was what you know mario batali made so great in his restaurants. so you'd have like these fancy restaurants but rock and roll behind it, it was so incredible and then service, 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 service. And I'm just going to say it LA doesn't have the same level of service. They don't have the same understanding. It's a different mindset here. In New York, the level of service is just like unparalleled. So when you find a restaurant that has all three of those things in Los Angeles, it's sort of like the chupacabra. Like you can't believe it. And you hold on to it and you grab it and you you nourish it, you nourish those relationships. You, 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 you don't go every day because it still wants to be a special thing. But when you do, you go and you relish it and you bring people and you can't wait to have a dinner experience. And that is what horses in Hollywood was. It is. And I should say is because there is a very, Big rumor that it closed, and that's how we got to where we are. It started as a rumor on the Demois gossip Instagram story handle. Um, on the the Demois handle, they have stories, and Demois is sort of like the Gen Z's TMZ meets Gawker meets all of those things, but in a in a new way. And they posted. And then deleted, but enough of uh, people captured it that said something along the lines of "Did you hear that horses closing? Horses is closing." And then the responder said, "Yes, big scandal coming." And everyone's like, "What? How can horses close? Horses was a you know was this restaurant that was so buzzed about. It's a husband and wife team chefs came from New York. Very, she was really well known at a restaurant in New York called Mimi's. Superstar chefs, owners, wife and husband. You could not get a table. I mean, horses. horses. Horses was unbelievably, again, I say was, but just bear with me, an unbelievably difficult reservation to get. It was this, it's very much like the spotted pig. Like if you got a table there, people were really excited. They would change their plans to be able to go. If somebody had a private dinner there, you just knew that nothing else mattered. It could be a wedding and you'd be like, I might have to miss the wedding. I'm going to this private dinner. I exaggerate, but not really. The only negative about horses was their valet was really slow, but we'll get into it. So the story goes like that. There was a Demois posting that then was deleted and then people started talking about it on Twitter. And then there were some people who were like, oh yes, wait. And it got into like Reddit territory of like, you had to dig really far in to figure out what the story was. And when I read the first sort of inkling of what the real, the scandal that was about to drop was, I felt like it was bullshit. And that was Here's the story guys. I'm just going to be as crass as, as it's just, there's just, I'm putting warning labels on this. If you are triggered by weird sexual behavior and the killing of animals, then I would skip ahead, say, Alexa, fast forward 30 seconds. But, um, the story went, the started to rumors, the things that I started to piece together in these online communities and some random tweets and here and there was that the couple had an open door policy of taking in stray cats. They loved cats or she loved cats. And so they always like left food out, cats would come and they would have this sort of, of collection of cats. And it was like this in New York as well. My understanding is now they're here in LA, they have this collection of cats, but the cats, started disappearing or getting really sick. Some of them, you know, I don't think this is all, by the way, in the press, but the cats are disappearing. Some got sick. That just kept happening. The wife thought maybe the building had rat poison and the cats were getting sick that way. And then the story goes that she came home to find her husband jerking off whilst strangling a cat to death. That was his case. Uh, which would explain the missing cats or the very injured cats or things like that. Couldn't believe it even when you're reading it, like you're like, this can't be. I mean, you know, as a PR professional, I have said many, many times that you can come back from almost anything. And this is, I've said this before, the like Theranos days or whatnot, but I'm like, but she might like, look at Martha Stewart came back from a seemingly career ending, you know, jail stint. Elizabeth Holmes may come out of jail as the next Martha Stewart. We don't know, but you can seemingly come back from everything except for killing kittens and puppies. Like can't like obviously babies like kids you can't that's not something either but joking aside the kittens and puppies from a PR perspective is always like that's a bridge too far so here we are the chef is being accused by his wife of masturbating to killing cats so then the story comes out on social that that New York magazine has a story they're gonna drop it and everybody starts texting me like New York magazine has it New York magazine has it and then the story dropped But the story dropped and it was from the LA Times, which in my newsletter, I I basically interpret my interpretation my, my fantasy of what happened, which is the LA Times Slack channel goes crazy. The newsroom, the editors, they're seeing all of this unfold. Then they're seeing that New York Magazine is like about to drop a story. And they're like, hell no, guys, this is our fucking backyard. We can't let New York Magazine scoop an LA story. This is us. Get to it, get to it, get to it. Find the documents, see if there are court records, like da 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 da, and that's where we ended up. So the L.A. Times broke the story. It turns out it was it's an ugly divorce. It's been going on since November, and in this article, which I'm sure is because of legal reasons or whatnot, there is no mention of the jerking off part. It's just that the wife has accused him of killing cats. Like I think there's probably some legality. Or maybe it's not even in the court documents. This is just rumors that have come up. It's, you know, it's pretty loud out, out there about it. Um, and the world stopped. I mean, people from all over the country, all actually from England, friends of mine from Sweden, like I heard from people are like, what the fuck is going on? Like cats, what? And the rumors were that the restaurant was closing effective immediately. Horses then had to issue a statement via its own Instagram, both its stories and its grid, uh, that this the chef, the owner, has not been with the restaurant and has not been working in the kitchen since November, and that Horses is going on alive and well, and please come. So that's where we're at. Everybody's still talking about it. I know some private parties that moved their their reservations to other places, but I am, in fact, going there for dinner tonight, David. I am going to horses. And I say that because I, first of all, love that place. There has been no mention of the cats ever being involved with the menu. I don't believe that was ever the connection. This is not like, you know, they were killing cats to to put into the food because they were trying to save money on serving rabbits. So they served cat, not true. None of that is true. This was a personal matter between the wife and husband. It's obviously gotten ugly. Uh, but we support, uh, we want to support restaurants. We want to support all the staff. That's there. That's probably been really bruised. We want to support a female chef and owner. So that's what I'm going to do. and I'm really excited about it and I will report back. But what's so interesting, since the story came out, the reaction, which just sh- shouldn't surprise any of us, but the reaction has been sort of my girlfriends are like, this is crazy. What a fucking psycho that guy is. That's disgusting. What a menace. My guy friends are like, she must be a psycho. She's totally made that crazy story up to make him look like a crazy person. I obviously haven't polled everyone I know, but the people that have been outspoken about it, the women have been like, why would he do that? That's so awful. What a disgusting human. Whereas the guys are like, no, 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 she's lying. She totally made that up. She's trying to screw him. She's a psycho. I bet she's a psycho. And it's like, it just shows how like inherently sexist we are some of us like we just are it's built into us in so many ways another counterpoint to that or a point to that is it a counterpoint is tim scott who is a senator who just announced is running for president he's a uh republican he is moderate he is definitely much more of a reagan republican than a MAGA Republican, which I'll say is good. I'll take it. I'll take somebody with a positive message. I'll take somebody who's not spewing hate. He's a black man. Uh, All of these things are fine. All of these things are good. All of these things I have zero issue with, obviously, except for the fact that I'm a Democrat. Here's the thing he is a 50 year old, 49 year old, my age, man who's never been married and has no children. And again, that's fine. I have never been married. I have no children. However, I know as somebody who lives like that, the amount of times I meet people who are like, oh, so why didn't like, how come you did you, did you, you know, did you really want to have kids? Did You miss out on that? Like, it's so crazy what people will say or like, so do you just haven't found the one yet? You didn't get married like, uh, like it's in the underlying thing. is like, why didn't anyone want to marry you? Which is so interesting because I don't think like that when I see a man generally, but when I do see a woman, even though I'm that woman, I do wonder. I'm like, I wonder what that backstory is. So it it occurred to me as I'm reading up about Tim Scott, because I didn't know much about him, and I saw that he was unmarried and didn't have children, that this was not something that I had read or heard before. And I wasn't diving deep on him, but it just wasn't something that like had been brought to my attention. What made me realize though is that if a woman was running for president, And even the sniff of her running for president, even if she hadn't fully come out yet announcing her her candidacy, if she was not married and did not have children, we would know about that. It would be literally the opening, like the unmarried childless. It would be the story. All of the people, whether you're on Fox or on CNN or on MSNBC, it would be Republicans. It would be Democrats. Nobody is innocent here. And. Even women would be doing it. Women would be even maybe even like the worst of it. Like what's wrong with her? Why is she not married? Like, like how can we trust somebody like that as president? Like if she never, they, nobody wanted to marry her and she didn't put herself out there to have children. She can't be president. She can't even take care of her, of her own world. And I tweeted it and it got a lot of attention. Uh, Stephanie rule of uh, the 11th Hour and MSNBC responded to it and was like, I'm going to bring this into my show. And she did almost verbatim. And she was acknowledging, she's like, you know, this would be a news story. This would be the news story. And in with the guy it's not. So we just realized that it's inherent in us, even the most educated, the most liberal minded, the most thoughtful, it's just very strange how it goes like men and women and different. It's still in 2023, even as a country that seemingly is going backwards with like the DeSantis stuff. So I am recording this. I would say in about an hour we're gonna have the Elon Musk DeSantis Twitter show. Um, we can only imagine what that's gonna take. You know, a lot of a lot of hubbub about DeSantis. Uh, announcing his uh, official bid for presidency on Twitter, Twitter spaces with Elon, assuming it's, you know, Elon's 140 million followers. It's a much broader, bigger uh, audience than any of the networks could get. Also, I keep calling him de Blasio because it's basically the same, but DeSantis, they're both extremes. DeSantis has bashed mainstream media, as his predecessor Trump has, um, or I say predecessor, I guess mentor Trump uh, Trump has mainstream media, and and you know uh, Jason Calcanis, who uh, I know and and care for quite a bit, but don't always agree with him. He is going on Twitter saying mainstream media is solid. They're just they can't get enough. They can't they can't get their heads wrapped around why he would do that. I don't think that's it. I think people can absolutely get their heads wrapped around why they're doing it. It's just it's just so. Like he's not going to get the hard questions. He's going on what's now a much more conservative platform led by Elon. This is a man who has who has put out hate. I mean, they are are pulling um, Amanda Gorman's poem from Biden's inauguration has just been pulled from a school in Florida. Books are being pulled from shelves all over the public school system that are you know absolutely not books that should be banned, and they. It, are pushing forth an anti-transgender movement, um, making a drama that doesn't exist into a drama, the whole, the bathrooms, like as if there's like a whole crazy conspiracy of people dressed as trans people using bathrooms as praying grounds to convert and abuse children. This is not a thing guys. It's just not a thing. Like it's just, you know, has it happened? There are lots of bad things have happened in bathrooms, regardless of whether they were gender neutral or male or female or whatnot. So let's be clear. So of course, this is giving an audience to that on DeSantis with Elon, who has made it clear he's You know, anti woke, which I think is so funny because you're basically saying you're ignorant because being woke means you're being, you're enlightened, you are engaged, you are thoughtful, you have expanded your mind, you've amplified your thinking. So to say you're anti that means that you're an ignorant fuck, which is perfect. Perfect. So be anti woke, you ignorant fucks. It's just trying to weaponize the term woke is, you know, if you're gonna weaponize woke, then I'm gonna just keep using space Karen with glee. Space Karen, space Karen, space Karen for our little Elon Musk. And DeSantis is just like, my favorite is he's just so unlikable, but him trying to be a likable guy and he's in New Hampshire this week and they have video. He like comes into this restaurant. He's like, it sure smells good in here. I'll tell you that. And then he like walks up to a guy and he's like, what's your name? The guy's like, my name's John Smith. And you would think DeSantis would then say the follow-up to that in a human interaction, be like, hey, John, nice to meet you. I'm Ron DeSantis. I'm running for president. Like whatever you do. He goes, instead, he goes, I'm John Smith. And DeSantis goes, okay. Like, first of all, it was the strangest response. Second of all, he was like saying, okay, like, I didn't, like, I didn't really want to know your name. Like, why are you still engaging with me? Move on, you little, like person in my way. It was so awkward. I mean, this guy just makes my, like Trump at least has, you know, the, the celebrity, the fame, the, the misconception of power that people had of him, but DeSantis doesn't have any of that. And it's interesting with what Heilman said last week about Florida. And if you didn't listen, I encourage you to listen to last week's podcast, but he's like, people mistake Florida for like being just like America. Like it has always been a weird little siloed place. It's always been strange. It's always going to have this weird stuff. And just because you're a governor of that state, it generally does not translate into being governor of uh, being the president of an entire country. So we'll just have to see. I just wonder if this is going to be the moment where we'll be like, oh God, like Trump is better than DeSantis. Let's like, let's get Trump in there. That's, that's the crazy days we're in. It's the crazy days that we're in. Um, so with, with that one, I just want to get onto some, some beautiful change palette cleanser, if you will. And that is RuPaul's house. And I talked about it again in the newsletter. We'll put the link in the show notes, but, I mean, his house is unbelievable. It was featured in Architectural Digest. It was the video. It's like our modern day cribs. So MTV Cribs. If you guys remember, it was like the 90s and it was handheld cameras and they'd come in to like, you know, like I'm Shannon Doherty of oh. welcome to my crib. And it would not be her crib, it would be like her, this is my dressing room on the set of 90210. And of course I have nothing but Red Bull and Diet Coke and like we eat candy and blah, 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 blah. And it, sometimes it was their house, sometimes it was their dressing room, sometimes it was a set made to look like a house to make them relatable, but it was all that. Now we've all grown up. All of the people that grew up on MTV Cribs are now watching AD at home stuff like, oh my god, this is Liv Tyler's house, and oh my god, this is uh um one of my like, Liv's house was amazing, as was Lily Allen's house, and as is RuPaul, and RuPaul opens up the door wearing these pajamas covered in dollar signs, which I just. Couldn't get enough of not dollar signs. I'm sorry. I speak, I speak incorrectly. It was the signs of money in different currencies. So like yen and the English pound and all of that stuff. So it was something that I normally would be aghast at, but you know what? RuPaul can pull it off RuPaul can pull anything off and this house was spectacular and the new tagline for everything La Cornue La Cornue and his laugh they have laugh tracks of RuPaul's famous laugh and the La Cornue line is this brand of oven It's very expensive. Very gorgeous French oven that he had in his kitchen that's his 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 decor is a lot of black and white with pops of orange. And so as he's going through the kitchen, he just starts screaming La Cornu and I'm like so here for it. <laughs> He also has 26 disco balls. He also has a closet the size of my house dedicated to just his drag stuff. And let me be clear, we needed this. We need to see like how beautiful a person RuPaul is, how much RuPaul has given to society. And at this moment in time that we're celebrating RuPaul, uh, the juxtaposition of it all is that, you know, they're trying to criminalize drag. I mean, it's just a fucking crazy world we're living in. I, I can't get my head wrapped around it, but we have RuPaul to thank. And I have to say, we have to lean into the positive and not the negative. And there's other things going on. Target right now has become the new Budweiser. They're getting slammed, slammed for having clothing that was for children that were in pride colors, celebrating pride. There are lots of children of gay couples There are lots of children of of straight couples who want their children to be very, uh, you know, aware and thoughtful and so forth. There is also a product line of clothes that allow people to tuck things. So bathing suits for men going through transition who may not have had surgery and they can, that's how they can wear clothes such as bathing suits and being able to tuck it. And it's very inclusive and target was very inclusive in that, but the backlash has been real. A lot of stores are pulling it. And, you know, you have both sides of the aisle arguing, you have, you know, people outraged, the families outraged, people taking videos of themselves, mocking these clothing. And then you have people obviously screaming in support and a gas that, that, Target would bow to pressure and pull it. And it's really interesting to think like, how does Target and how does Bud, how do they talk to their employees? Because you would think that their employees are a, f- a fragment of society. So you have some who are support supportive of this work that they're doing and the brand pushing out this, uh, inclusivity. And I'm sure there's some employees that were appalled by it and against it. And as a company, how do you navigate this division and how do you speak to the community? It's really, it's going to be something to watch. And, um, I hope more brands take risks and, and focus on inclusivity. My fear is that they're just going to be like, we're out like, we're not going to get involved in any of this. We're just, we're just vanilla. We are not going to politicize. It. And, it, you know, maybe there's something to be said for that, but they've, you know, brands have always done that, whether it was the Coca-Cola and the, you know, bring peace on our stuff. And we just, we've seen this over and over again. There's always controversies, but this feels more heated and direct and hate driven. So that's where we are. That's it. Did I forget anything, David? I think I think we're going to wrap it on that note. I adore you guys. I am going to take next week off because I think I'm going to, well, let's see. I'm saying this now. It's a TBD. I did say in the newsletter I'm taking the newsletter off, which I might. Uh, I'm more than likely. But if something crazy happens, if some sort of pop cultural moment that I cannot let go a week then i'm gonna write something up so a tbd on the podcast next week i'll leave you guessing but either way have an amazing you know kickoff of summer whether that includes traveling or sleeping or catching up on your favorite movies shows books good luck to all of you who are going to literally have nothing to do with themselves after Sunday when Succession ends. I know some people are dreading that moment. Also, just a reminder, HBO no longer exists. They've killed HBO. It's now Max. Apparently, you have to download a new app. You can't use the HBO app on your in your app world, if you're on Apple TV or Roku or whatever, you're gonna have to fucking download a new app because the geniuses at Warner Discovery could not figure out how to just change the current app. Again, I'm basing all my information off of media Twitter. So I have not factually figured that out myself. I will report back if that is indeed need of correction. But my my guess is not. And before I end, just because it's habit, I gotta do Mary Makeout Mute. We'll do it really quick. I mean, there's a list of mute. I don't even know. But I want to make out with all of the students at BU, all the students everywhere, frankly, who use their voices to speak out. It's usually the college kids who are the most thoughtful and correct in their uh, political (laughs) viewpoints. But in case you missed it, David Zaslav, the current CEO of Warner Discovery, and who really mistakenly uh, decided to go forth with his commencement address at BU. Um, And I say mistakenly, it's not the right time for anybody in the entertainment media world to be Taking a sort of spotlight while there's a writers' strike, but probably even less so for David Zaslav, who in an interview on CNBC right before their earnings, um, when asked what was going to end the writers' strike, he he said, "I believe people's love for work, like (laughs) like they're going to need to come back to work, is what's going to end the writers' strike because they're going to not have money. Their love for work, aka they're going to have to have a job." So the students of BU, the minute he was being introduced, were it wasn't just the booze it was like, People can take a boot. They were like, fuck you, pay your writers. Fuck you, pay your writers. And it was a cacophony. It was so loud. Um, My favorite was the, you know, one of the professors or something sort of behind him, his left shoulder, who like turned and looked at her colleagues and was like, oh snap, like saw that one coming. Uh, He tried to get through it wearing his weird like Matrix sunglasses and he looked like a villain character out of a Bond movie. It's just like all of the optics were bad. He was probably told by countless communications, people and friends don't do it, but there are some people who just can't help themselves, and he strikes me as one of those. But I would make out with all of the the BU students who were just like using their moment and their voice to have an impact and have an impact. They did. I would marry Tina Turner. I, you know, my God, what a life she lived! What a what a legend she was. Fashion icon, women's movement icon you know, independence for women, that just everything. Her voice, her story, her struggles, or the trials and tribulations. I would marry all things Tina. Um, and then, I mean, the mute. I, I, Let me go through the list. There's Space Karen. There's DeSantis. There's David Sachs. Sorry. There's Target Hate. There's all of this stuff. It's just like, for the love of fuck. We're back in the Tipper Gore days of like, you know, the music, the children. It's not going to go anywhere, guys. It's only like, you're going to think back of these times and be like, we were so innocent because it's, you know, Godspeed. And with that, have a lovely Memorial Day and catch you on the other side. Pop Culture.